believe me, I, I just, uh, I think that's one of the great purposes of the book of Psalms, is for us to gather to sing scripture. I, I just, I love singing scripture like that. Uh, what a great blessing that is. And may that be that our, all of our desire is to be pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Uh, I have to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you in a couple of weeks, but in a couple of weeks, uh, we will uh, choir singing. And I went to Randy and I said, hey, I don't know if you can make this happen, but in two weeks, three, I don't remember what it is, but two, two weeks, I think, uh, I said, I would love for the choir to sing this song. I know that's hard on y'all. He said, well, we were actually planning on doing it anyway. And I thought, well, praise God. Uh, surely goodness and mercy. I love that song. Uh, and it's going to go well with uh, our message that day. About a month ago, uh, I was in Prattville, Prattville, Alabama, many know her, her Prattville. Uh, our Alabama Baptist State Building is in Prattville, and with me serving as a trustee for the state of Alabama, I have to go to Prattville about every three months. Uh, now I have to go a little bit more. Uh, I am serving on the board and commissions for the state, and so uh, how I got thrown in the bat, I don't know, but uh, I think they asked everybody, and then I was last, I think. I think that's how it happened. Uh, but I have to go to Prattville. And so about a month ago, I was in Prattville, and at the trustee meeting, basically what happens is a bunch of people get up in front of you at different times and they give reports about what's going on in the state uh, concerning Alabama Baptist. So you have uh, reports from all of our uh, entities, meaning Shaco, uh, Sanford, uh, University of Mobile, Judson College, those kind of places. But then you also hear reports from uh, different ministries, so discipleship uh, ministry. And then one of those is uh, church revitalization. I don't know if you know this, this may come as to a shock to many of you, or it may be uh, not a shock at all, but there are churches in our state, and I'm just going to say in our state because that's what I'm most familiar with, but there are churches in our state who are uh, plateaued, they are decaying, they're dying, but there's also churches in our state, Alabama Baptist, some of the churches that are, are none of those, they're actually just dead churches. Uh, they're not growing, they haven't been growing, they've decreased in number, there's no life, no joy, where there's no life, there's death, and they're just slowly dying out one day, they'll close the doors. And so, praise the Lord, State of Alabama said, we need to try to rejuvenate some of that, so we have revitalization efforts, uh, not just in Alabama, but the International Mission Board for all of North America have put forth efforts to revitalize a lot of our dead, decaying churches. Uh, men like Johnny Hunt puts on revitalization conferences. I've been to some of those. And so there's a big push for church revitalization. And so they were sharing stories of churches that uh, they have gone into and held to try to revitalize a little bit. These churches are dead. They're, they've been dying for years. And, and I know some of you are like, that actually happens? There are churches, Alabama Baptist churches or churches across the country that are not growing, they're dead, they're decaying churches. I know for many of you, you would go, I know that. I, I've been in one. Or I was in one at some point. Or I hope you're not saying, I'm in one right now. I hope you're not going to say that at this very moment. And so we have an effort of revitalizing these churches. Praise the Lord, some great testimonies coming out of church revitalization. And so as I'm sitting there, I'm hearing these reports, and, and, and I, just, I have to be honest with you, like in my flesh, you know what I did? I am so glad that my church is not one of those churches. 
I'm so glad that my church is not like those churches. Oh yeah, I use the terminology, my church, as if I'm in charge. I'm not in charge. This is not my church. This is not your church. It's God's church. It's His church. And I, I just remember sitting there, just swelling up in pride, thinking about all of you and, and how God's blessed East Mavoka. And I thought, praise the Lord, they don't have to have a meeting with East Mavoka about church revitalization. Oh, I'm so thankful that's not our church. I'm so thankful we're not the ones. I'm thankful I get phone calls. This is a true story. I get phone calls from the state. I have guys from the state. I don't know who these men are. I, I, I was in a meeting there in Prattville one time, and a guy came up to me. He just spoke about something, and he came up to me. I have no. I, I kind of knew a little bit just from being up there. He came to me and said, you're, you're at East Mobile, aren't you? I said, well, I am. He said, Mike, right? I said, so what the name said. Anyway, he asked me. He's like, you're at East Mobile. I said, I am. He said, man, you guys are just killing them. I hear all about what's going on. And I'm like, what, what do you know about our church? I don't know you very well. And I was so thankful for those times. But in that moment, man, God got a hold of my heart. I mean, you know that moment where you hear your dad, my boy? You know what I'm talking about? That just brought back bad memories for some of you. Some of you flinched when I said that. You thought they were beside you. Boy? And I just, I don't know if God talks to you that way. Please don't take that in the Bible or nothing. But anyway, I just... I felt like God going, boy, you better watch what you're thinking. You better be careful what you're thinking. Because every one of those churches that needed to be revitalized, at some point, they were the church. At one point in time, they were the church. They were thriving. They were growing. They were out of space. Man, they were the lively church. Everybody went to that church, and something happened. God got a hold of my heart. And I had this thought. Do we need revitalization in our healthy churches? And I would say yes. I know that sounds like an oxymoron. It doesn't really make sense. Why do you need to revitalize something that's healthy? The definition of revitalize is this. To give new life. It doesn't mean there's no life there. It just means we've got to get some new life. To give new life. Or to give new vitality or vigor to. In my Mumford education, I had to go back and look what vitality and vigor means. I kind of have an idea. I can use it in the sentence. You're laughing at me, but you, you're you looking on your phone. Vitality. How do you spell vitality? <laughs> Definition of vitality is capacity for the survival or, listen to this, or continuation of a meaningful or purposeful existence. Meaning it already exists. But the continuation of meaningful, purposeful existence or the power to live or grow. The definition of vigor is energetic activity. Moving. Moving. No stagnant, nothing, nothing stagnant. You know what happens when water gets stagnant? Mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are church people. The churches, you know, that's buzzing around, causing problems. Energetic activity, energy, intensity, force of healthy growth in any living matter or organism. And I begin to have this thought. In all of my heart, I'm so thankful that God's hand is upon these devotees. I really believe this hand is upon these devotees. I'm so thankful for that. It joys this pastor's heart to know that people are finding life in this body of believers. It has nothing to do with me. Please, no, I take zero credit. Matter of fact, I probably hinder some of it 
And I'm so thankful. But I also believe we need a revitalization of a healthy church. We need to revitalize our church. I think there are some areas in our church that we need to revitalize. And over the course of the rest of this year, if you're visiting with us, what a great time to join us. Over the course of the rest of this year, we're going to we're gonna uh, just kind of walk through what that looks like. We're going to use one word all year long. I'm going to preach on one word for the rest of the year. And that word is faithful. Faithful. But I look at areas in our church, and I think there are some areas in our church that need to be revitalized. Some areas that we need to give new life to, as the word uh, is uh, defined by, to give vitality, uh, purposeful, meaningful existence, to give vigor to energy, uh, intensity, force, healthy growth in a living organism, which is what we are. We're a growing, living organism. And so I want to share with you just uh, four areas that I believe where we need revitalizing. Stay with me if you don't mind, okay? Hang in there. Just walk with me through this. And over the course, there's no way I could share all of this today, but over the course of the year, we'll walk all through every one of these, okay? Number one is this. In In our healthy church, I believe we need to revitalize our mission. Remember the definition of revitalize, give new life to. We need to give new life, new vitality, new energy, new meaning and purpose to our mission. We need to reevaluate our focus when it comes to our mission statement. You know our mission statement. I hope you do. It's in a worship guide. If you walk into a Sunday school class, it's right there on the sheet there. I, I, I say it all the time. If you read the Bible, you know our mission statement. It's very simple. We exist to love God and love people by keeping the great commandment and doing the great commission. It's that simple. I think it's that simple. There is a simplicity to church, I think. I'm a simple guy. Look at me. I have a plain white shirt on. I don't like a lot of stripes and stuff. I don't have a lot of that. I think there's a simplicity to church. And if we can re-evaluate and revitalize our mission to love God and love people, keep the great commandment and do the great commission, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22. You know what the great commandment is. It's been said. It's been preached on. You you know it. It's uh, Jesus is quoting this from the scriptures of Deuteronomy. You know, the Pharisees, they're, they're gathering around with the Sadducees, and one of them is expert in the law, thinks he's going to be a, uh, you know, try to uh, uh, smart uh, Jesus. And, and so he comes up to, to the Lord in and, and Christ and he says, what, which command of the law is the greatest? He thought he was going to stump Jesus. He was going to stump God. And Jesus just says, I'll tell you what it is. It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command. But the second is like it. It's like it, meaning it's it's almost as equal in intensity to give great attention to. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. I know this about most of us. We love ourselves. Love ourselves. You don't think so. Go to social media. You love you. Right? You love you. I love me. I love me a lot. And the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself. Look at this. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. You know what that means? Everything in the scriptures hinges on whether or not we get that one command right. If we can't get that one right, we won't get the rest of it right. You understand that? If you cannot love God properly, your marriage will not work. Amen. It 
you do not love God properly, you will be a problem and an issue in your workplace. If you do not love God properly, you will be an issue in the schools, on your sports team, whatever you're doing. Love God. And I think we need to revitalize our mission to love the Lord. Love God with all of your heart, not some of it. Don't submit and commit part of yourself to the Lord, but give it over all to Him. And just love the Lord, but also love people. There's people hard to love, I understand that. People are hard to love. They're difficult to love. I, you know, you, you may think of someone that is difficult to love. If you can't think of somebody hard to love, maybe you, I don't know. I hate to tell you that. You may be hard to love. Just own up to it. Repent of it. And love the Lord. And love people. People are hard to love. In our many of our churches that are <coughs> decaying and, and they're uh, decreasing and, and they're not growing. They're, and by the way, let me, let me, let me take this. Just because the church is not growing numerically means it's dead. Okay? That, that's not up to you and I. There's a church, there are churches out there, they're doing everything they know with all of their heart to reach people and God's just not saving. So just because the church is not growing, that means it's dead. You understand that? Please, please hear me when I say that. I don't mean every church is not growing is dead. Please don't hear that. God saves people, not the church. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. Pastor friend told me this. True story. He got led into a church that was decaying, man. It was just a hard church. He's known in the community for a hard church. We had just a tough place to go. He said a guy came up to him after he was being the that pastor for a little while, and he just, the, the pastor just trying to lead the church into, into life and pray that God would do that in the church. And people are hard to love, right? And you wonder why some churches are in decay and dying and, and uh, just not where God would have them to be and the purpose in which God has them in the church. He said this man just came up to him and he said, listen here, preacher. Love that. I love when somebody introduces me. Hey, listen here, preacher. What's coming next? I'm probably not going to listen. <laughs> He said, listen here, preacher. I know, I know this church is dead. I know it's dead. But all I care about is that this church keeps its doors open just long enough for my casket to roll down this side. After that, I don't care what happens to me. True story. I could probably say that man's hard to love. I don't know how that meeting goes in heaven. He stands before the Lord and God says, Now what did you say? What, what was that? Here I am. What do you want to say now? People are hard to love. But the great commandment says to love people. You know how we love people? Because Christ loved us first. It is not, listen to me, it is not possible to love people if you do not love God. The only way to love people is to love God first. You know, how, you know why? Because the love of God flows out of you and into people. That's the only way to love people. Because people are frustrated. They get all your nerves, right? The only way to love people is through the love of God that He works and moves through you. Not only the Great Commandment, but the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission. I hope you do. Before Jesus ascended back into heaven, He told the disciples one more thing. This is a very important uh, commission that He gave them. The purpose of these disciples, the purpose of 
of the future church. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, says, All authority is given me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all things I commanded you. Praise the Lord. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Christ didn't say, Hey, go ahead. Good luck. He said, I'm going with you. I will go with you wherever you go. I'm going. And so we, I, I just believe as a church, we need to revitalize our mission. We need to reevaluate how am I doing on the great commandment? How am I doing as a member of East Oak Baptist Church? How am I doing on loving the Lord with everything I've got? With loving God, meaning that God is above everything else in my life. He's number one. It's not my spouse, it's not my family, it's not my belongings, it's not my sports or accolades, it's none of those things. But God reigns supreme for me, and He is number one. Love, do you love God? Like that. Maybe we should reevaluate in our own heart, revitalize how we love people, how we love others. But also we need to reevaluate our own life, how we are doing with the Great Commission. We're going to flesh all of that out in the months to come. Number two, we need to revitalize our existence. Revitalize our existence. Tom Rainer says, God gave us our church address for a reason. For a reason. This church does not sit in this place uh, just out of, uh, you know, by chance. Coincidence. This church was founded in November 7, 1835, just down the road. In 1863, it moved to this location. And I don't think it was by chance. I think God moved this church at this location so you would be here today. I believe that. I believe God moved this church to this location in 1869 and then changed the name. And I, uh, I hope we get this right. 1923, I believe, changed the East Baptist Church, bearing the name of the community. But we have this address, 107 Church Lane. We spent a long time trying to figure out that address. 107 Church Lane. But God gave us our address for a great reason. God knew that this community at this moment in time have needs that this church would be able to meet. And that greatest need is our sin. The greatest need is a need for a Savior. And I believe in just little old East of Oak, Alabama, God is bringing hundreds of people together to do some amazing things I cannot wait for. I am looking forward to it. And I'm so excited. And I believe we just need to revitalize our existence. You remember the word vitality? It's a continuation of a meaningful or purposeful existence. We are here at this church, at this place, at this time of 2019 for a meaningful purpose. For a meaningful purpose. If you and I need to revitalize and just reevaluate, remember, this church is here for a great reason. Because this community needs this church. So we have to look around us and ask, what are the greatest needs surrounding us right now? The needs in 1835, the needs in 1863 are different than the needs now. But we have to, at this moment of time, look around and say, what are the needs in our area right now? And all of those needs come, come back to sin. We need to revitalize our mission and revitalize our existence. Number three, we need to revitalize our energy. We need to revitalize our energy. I, I'm, a, I'm a kind of person, maybe can tell you this, I, uh, when my alarm clock goes off, it's as if I'm turning off and feet are hitting the floor at the same time. It's feet on the floor and I, I take off. And I go all day long. And 
I'm just rapid. I just go, that's just me. That's my personality, okay? I'll just go, 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 go. But when I'm done, I'm done. By the time I get to the bed, when my head's going there, I'm out. She's trying to have a conversation with me. I'm out. I'm done. I just, you know, I don't know what happened. I just wake up and I go, were you talking to me? Like nine, eight hours later, sometimes six hours later. I'm full of energy. And there's many people in here, you're full of energy, you have energy. I mean, you get up every day, you do things, you got something sort of energy. But we need to revitalize our energy, not just any, but kingdom energy. Kingdom work. Kingdom energy, we spend, uh, we spend countless hours and days, months and years, and sending so much energy for worldly things. We need to re-evaluate, re revitalize, give new life and vitality to our kingdom energy. May we not pour ourselves out for the world and on Sunday we come empty or when it comes to doing, loving the Lord, keeping the great commandment, doing the great commission, we're just worn out because we've poured ourselves out for the world. <coughs> we need to stand at the gates of hell and urge people to turn and repent. As our friends and our family are racing past us, going straighter, running straight to the gates of hell, we need to sprint and use our king of energy and just sprint past them and turn them around and repent, dear brother, repent. All the while, we're standing in our lives and they're just going by. They're going by. They're going by. We just look at them go by. They're headed to the gates of hell and we're giving all of our energy to a sport giving all of our energy to our jobs, we're giving all of our energy to our yard, our family, our spouses, we're giving all of our energy to our hobbies and our activities. All the while, the kingdom energy is spent, it's gone. We have nothing left, and people are passing us by, and, and they're just coming straight through us, going straight to hell. We need to revitalize our energy. If they're running to hell, we need to run faster. Amen? We need to sprint. We need to bypass them on the way to the gates and tell them, please repent, repent, repent. Turn to Jesus. Repent to the Lord. May we not go down without a fight. We need to revitalize our energy. We've got energy when it comes to so many worldly things that come and go. We need to revitalize energy when it comes to our own repenting. Repenting ourselves and acknowledging our own sin. I love the way Scott Hand says it. Sin is out there. Oh, excuse me. Sin is not out there. It's deep inside you and me. We don't like to see sin that way. We see sin in other people. He says sin is not out there. Sin is deep inside you and me. And it takes great courage to kneel down in the confessional and accuse ourselves of each sin by name. And we revitalize our energy to come into the Lord, repenting of our sins. Sin's not out there, dear brother and sister. Sin is in you. It's in me. And may we bow down in the kingdom energy, bow down before the Lord in the confessional, and name our sins by name, one by one. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I often wonder if we're being as effective in our surrounding communities as we think we are. Please hear me when I say this. As I go forward, please hear me as a pastor. Please hear me as your pastor. Okay? With so much love, I hope you know I love you. I, I try to tell you that all the time. And 
I do. But I often wonder, are we doing enough? Are we doing what we are really supposed to be doing? Yes, there's growth. Yes, there's great life. Yes, there is light within our church. There's so much joy. There's so many great things happening. We have a growing student ministry, growing children's ministry, uh, growing young adult ministry. We're giving more than we've ever given in missions. We're sending more than we've ever sent in missions. we got more people than we've ever had. We've gone to two services in the last year. We're outgrowing every Sunday school space we have. We have two classes now that are totally, no, 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 excuse me, three classes that are here totally full. So one of those classes, people are sitting on the floor because there's nowhere to put a chair. We have chairs. We just don't have anywhere to put a chair. We have, we have no more space to put to birth new classes out. We have nowhere for them to go. And I praise God for that. Just a couple of weeks ago, we broke all time record in Sunday school. 389 people in Sunday school. Praise God for that. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I look and see everything that God is doing in the life of our church. I see so many people that have come into East of Oba Baptist Church. Man, you came from a dead, decaying church. You came from a place where you were spiritually dead, and God brought you into East Samoa Baptist Church, and you have been able to find such great life here. What a wonderful testimony, amen? Is that you? Did you raise your hand? So I found life here. This is where I came here. I found life all across the room. This morning, at 815 church, all across the room. And that's wonderful. That's great. And I'm so thankful for that. I love the place with all my heart. Countless testimonies of members who are spiritually dead, rejuvenated with joy. Yes, we have a reputation of being alive. Yes, we have a reputation of growing. And as it's been quoted to me, you guys are knocking it out of the park. What do you say to that? I mean, what do I say? I know. <laughs> you guys are doing it, man. Y'all knocking out of the park. I just go, I know. We are. Very slim. We're knocking out of the park. I don't say that. I just kind of graciously receive that encouragement and say, man, that's very kind of you. Uh, but we just try to love the Lord and love people. I, I don't, that's what's just what we're trying to do. What are you guys doing out there to get all the people? I really don't know. I, all, all I know is we preach the scriptures, we love the Lord, we love people, and I, I, it all hardly works. People come in. You know what? People are attracted to life. You know that? Yeah. People are attracted to life. It's, uh, it's enjoyable. It's comforting. People are attracted to life. But my question is, are we really knocking it out of the park? Are we really pushing back the darkness around us? East of has been a place for Christians to be rejuvenated after a period of dead time. And yes, we want to be that for people. Yes, we want to be a place where Christians can be revitalized. There's nothing wrong with the church doing that and being that. And I'm so thankful that East of has been a place over the last five to ten years where Christians can come in and they are in a spiritually dead place but God rejuvenates and revitalizes their heart in the body of believers of East of Ogan. Listen, if you're visiting with us and that's you, we would want nothing more but that your testimony would be and I was spiritually dead but God brought me back to a spiritual life through East of Ogan. Man, what a great testimony that but are we doing enough to bring the lost to the supper table of Jesus? Are we doing enough to push back darkness in our communities? Oftentimes, Scripture uh, 
caused the church to be a lighthouse or a city on a hill. You know those scripture references. When you think of the dead and the king churches around us, you would say they're, they're not being a city on a hill, they're not reflecting the glory of God. A lighthouse is to reflect light and darkness for miles and miles. You know what a lighthouse is. Its purpose is to call ships into safety who are finding their way home. And just like a lighthouse, the church is to reflect the light of God's glory for miles and miles around, calling sinners into the safe haven of God's mercy, causing the darkness to disappear around us. And the purpose of the lighthouse is to have more light outside the walls of the lighthouse than inside the walls of the lighthouse. If there were more light inside the lighthouse than outside, people are still lost. Ships are out there. They don't know where to go. And it is my fear with all the joy and life that Easterbona has is there more light inside, more light inside of these walls than outside of these walls. God help us if that's true. There's nothing wrong with life. Nothing wrong with joy. Are you hearing my heart, please? Please hear my heart. There's nothing wrong with life. Nothing wrong with joy and being light. God wants us to do those things. But the purpose of a church is to have more light outside the walls than inside. And it, listen to me, hear my heart. It is my fear that there is more light inside the walls out there. Aren't we really pushing back darkness? Or is it getting worse? The scriptures tell us it'll get worse, don't it? But are we doing everything we can to pierce the darkness with the light of Jesus? Or are we just okay with inviting already saved people to church? Nothing wrong with that. it, it, It kind of weirds me out a little bit. It puts me in a weird situation when I see other pastors and their members are here. That's okay. I understand that. People get to a place where uh, they just they feel just uh, a letting go in their heart. And God moves them. Nothing wrong with that. People all across here heard us here say that. I think we need to revitalize getting the light outside. I think there's small pockets of people in our church that are doing just that. The purpose of our gatherings is to come and refresh the light bulb in your heart so that when you exit, you shine for miles and miles and miles around, calling sinners into the arms of Jesus through repentance and proclamation of the gospel. What, what, what is so important about us, us gathering together is so that when you come and your cup is empty, God will fill that cup back up. And when you go outside of the walls of this church and you exit the campus, you will begin to pour the light of Jesus out and shine bright for darkness all around you. Everywhere you go, there is no darkness. There's only light. And then when, when your light bulb just goes out, you come back on Wednesday. And that light bulb gets recharged. And then you go back out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then you come back in on Sunday. Tony Evans said this this morning. When your car is about to run out of gas, it kind of goes a little slower, you know, just sputtering. Reminds me of my college days, just kind of rolling into the gas station. Happened all the time. I had a car where I had a little small truck where you get five dollars the last couple of days. Five dollars when you crank my truck now. I gotta have at least ten to crank it. It looks like that. But he says when you when we gather together as a church, it's like going to the gas station. You, when you just roll in, barely making it in off you. You fill your gas tank completely full, spills out a little bit, come run it over. And then you drive off and you just use all that gas everywhere you go. 
The interesting thing is this. The moment you shut that, uh, the, put the cap on the gas tank, right when you crank that car, you're using up your gas. And it's not going to take long until you're empty. And the same thing goes for our gatherings at the church. You go during the week and you become empty. You need to come into the church to be refilled again. The purpose of our gatherings is to be refreshed and revitalized. So when we choose sports and hobbies and laziness, we choose apathy and emotions and carelessness, when we choose Bible Belt Christianity over these God-glorifying gatherings that we have, you're sending this church down a path of sickness and decay and possible death. Hear me when I say this. When we have church members that are skipping out on gatherings of church and, and we're choosing all these other things and you say, well, it's not in, in my control. Sure it is. You can say no. You ever said no before? Let's say no together. No. Oh, yeah, we can do it. No. Wait, wait, we, we won't do that? I'm going to do it on Sunday. No. No. I'm going to fish on Sunday. You won't go? We? So, no. No. Well, come on, man. No, it's Sunday. We go to church. Man, why, you, you lay out one time. Well, I know I could. I could. Man, I'm, I'll be spiritually dead all week. I won't be able to lay I got to go to church. We can say no. Look, I, you say, all right, it's legalistic. Oh, God. Obedience is not legalism. You can't try that on me. God's word says, do not forsake the gathering. Do not forsake the gathering. And I think when we begin to choose other things, we are going down the spiral case, staircase of decay. All of those churches that are in revitalization efforts, they were the thriving church. And then at some point, they began to choose other things than the gathering. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. Many of us in here, uh, we have the uh, same testimony. Oftentimes, I get tired of dancing around people who don't come faithfully when I see them out and about. I feel like, man, you get up, I don't even to say that. You ain't been to church. That's all you're going to say. Well, what if I just say that? Wouldn't you want a shepherd to come to you and rescue you by the heart's way? Man, can I lovingly do that with you? Listen to this. Can, will you lovingly do that with me? I'll be here. I kind of have to. Then maybe you sit here in a way that I shouldn't say things. <clears throat> Bottom line is this, man, get to church. Get to church. Get your wife in church, sir. Get your family in church. And you say, well, what if I miss one Sunday? Am I lost? I'm good. No, good Lord, no. Church don't save you. God does, okay? Church don't save you. God saves you. So if you miss a Sunday, what if you're, what if I'm sick? Oh, goodness, you want to talk about it? No, I'm not. I understand. You know, there's exceptions, okay? I understand that. Here, but listen, in your family, don't let the exceptions become the norm. Don't do that. Here's what happens. The exception is, it's just one tournament. Just one tournament Sunday. It's just it, preacher. And you know what I would say to that? Yeah. You know what? Pray about that. Uh, one Sunday out of a whole year, I'm sure there's some grace there. I, I prefer you be in church because I think it's good for you. But then, in two weeks, there's another one. It's only two. It's just an exception. And then the exception becomes the norm. And then we find ourselves for a whole season and we're out of church. we got a family out of church. Christ saves us, not the church. But know this. When Christ saves you, he saves you to the church. To a body of believers. 
Not the world, meaning our salvation saves us to belong to a church and not the world. Matthew 5, 14 says you're the light of the what? The world. You're the light of the world. City on a hill. A light of the world is outside the wall. Sometimes I think our churches, and I can only speak of ours, sometimes I think we're like the Christian radio station playing secular music. It just doesn't make sense. We need to revitalize our efforts, our missions, our existence. We need to revitalize our energy. Lastly, we need to revitalize our campus. I know this one's a little different. I understand that. We need to revitalize our campus. I'm so thankful we have so many buildings. We have rooms and space. We have a new gym. They praise the Lord for all that. We bought new property. God's just been doing some wonderful things. We're able to remodel some rooms and do great things. We have a lot left to do. Just right now, we have a parking lot. And, and, and uh, just in a week or two, they're going to start on our parking lot. And it's going to cost roughly nearly $34,000 just for us to do our parking lot. A parking lot. And then we also have on the books, we have quotes and, and drawings for a tractor on our gathering place down there. A tractor, so you can drive through, drop your kids off in the training, and then walk on in without getting soaked and wet. It's a much needed thing for our church. That's upwards to twelve, uh, excuse me, fifteen to twenty thousand dollars just on the drive-through. We need new security for all of our buildings, new cameras, new security systems, keypads. We need all of those things, upwards to twelve to fifteen thousand. These are quotes we actually have. Twelve to fifteen thousand. We need new projectors in our sanctuary building. Run new wires, new HDMI cords. We are uh, we're out of date with our wiring. That's over to fourteen thousand. Just that, the bare minimum of that is seventy-five thousand dollars just on those four projects. I don't say those things so that we can look at what we have and say, "Look at us, man! Look at good old little East of Oakland, Alabama. East of Oakland, look at all he got." We got nice parking lots, big buildings, lots of roofs, and look at how beautiful this is. I don't say that so that we can glory in our own projects and our own campus and things that are growing on. But we need to revitalize our campus so that we can continue to press forward and hold the large numbers of people who will be coming because our light is shining and pushing back darkness. It's us preparing for what God's about to do. It's us going to a prayer meeting when we've been in a drought and we're going to pray for rain and we bring an umbrella with us. You understand? It's us going to a prayer meeting and there's a huge drought. We're going to gather together. We're going to pray for rain. And I'm bringing my umbrella because I know when we pray for rain, God's going to bring the rain. And it's us getting our campus to a place where we can hold lots of people because they're coming to the Lord. Because East of Oakland Baptist Church and the members are revitalizing their energy. We're revitalizing and reevaluating our mission. We're reevaluating our existence and our campus so that we can go push back more darkness, bring more people into and onto the supper table of Jesus through salvation. We're bringing an umbrella. We do these projects not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, but we can be prepared for the rain. I believe this with all of my heart. I mean, I can't express to you all of my heart. I believe God is about to do something in our midst. I used to be concerned that our recent growth in the last five to ten years has always been a concern of mine. 
that our recent growth has not been so much from new salvation, but it's been more of transfer growth from other churches. And I used to feel convicted about that, but I, I thought, God, you're doing all that. I, I'm not doing any of that. I, you know, that's all you. And we're just trusting you. And then, and then, I believe God just kind of put it on my heart. That maybe, just maybe, God is preparing this place with great people, people who are who already love the Lord, who already serve the Lord, and they get to come into this place, they get their energy refilled and their spirit lifted up, and they, they were spiritually dead, now they're rejuvenated, ready to go serve and love the Lord. And God is preparing us with all of those people for what He's about to do. And I just trust that God's going to do something amazing in our community, something amazing in our area, that when so many people come to know the Lord, we're going to have space for them, we're going to be ready for them, and when they come in, man, we're going to love them, we're going to have great Sunday school classes for them, we're going to have the best looking parking lot every church ever had, and we're going to love people. I just trust that. I'm ready for the rain, or not that rain. <laughs> Understanding. I'm so glad for sunshine. I'm ready for God to do something, aren't you? Amen. But I think we need to prepare the way first. May we revitalize our hearts. What about you? What about you? Do you need to be revitalized in your own heart? You need to be rejuvenated in your spirit. I know you look good on the outside, but I know there's a battle going on on the inside. And maybe, just maybe, God brought you here this morning not to hear about a campus and parking lots and things like our lock houses. Maybe God brought you here this morning because your heart needs to be revitalized. When we speak of that Christian that needs to be rejuvenated or lifted up, that's you. That's you. You say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I, I've just been in a bad place in my walk with the Lord. And I need to be rejuvenated. I need to be revitalized. I would invite you to come and pray at this moment. Pray to the Lord and ask Him to do that. And allow our church to walk with you through that process. We're good at it. I really believe so. We're really good at it. And I don't say that for our glory, but all for God's glory. We love people. We love messed up people. You know why? We're all messed up, aren't we? Everyone, man, we're just messed up people trying to love the Lord and love other messed up people. And we know that. I, we accept it. Just look at me. I'm messed up. My knees banged up. Had a bowling accident yesterday. Is that a sign of getting old, maybe? It wasn't my fault. My lovely son <laughs> grabbed the bowling ball. And went to, I don't know why it went backwards. It went backwards, and I made him crack my knee. And I thought Jesus was coming right there. <laughs> And there was a family right there beside us, and, and you know, are you okay, sir? I'm okay. I'm okay. Love the Lord. I love God. I love my son. He's so wonderful. <laughs> Maybe you need to be re uh, revitalized today. And that's okay. We all do sometimes. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the scriptures. Lord, I'm so thankful for a church that loves you. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. I don't want to. But Lord, even in a healthy state, I think there are some areas that need to be revitalized. Let us not become stagnant. 
Let us not become complacent. Lord, help us to press forward and love you. Help us to press forward and love people. Lord, help us to press forward and push back the darkness of sin with the light of the world as Jesus. Whether we're an adult, a senior adult, a teenager, or a child, God, we all have a part to play in this church. Help us to revitalize our own part. Listen, if that's you, you're in this morning, say, Pastor Mike, that's me. I've been, I've been out of church. I've been away from church. My family, we, we've just been away from church. I have spiritually. I feel like I'm spiritually dead. I feel like God's so far away from me. I wouldn't recognize him if he was near. I don't do the things I used to. I just feel like God has walked away from me. I often wonder, God, where are you? Dear brother, sister, dear teenager, dear child, come and be rejuvenated. Come and be revitalized. Come and praise the Lord, forgive me of my spiritual apathy. I want to serve you. And maybe you want to join the church. We'd love you to do that. We have membership class coming up. You pay attention to that class time. We'd love for you to take that class and be a part of our church. Or maybe today you just say, My God, be Jesus. I need the Lord. As the song says, Come every soul by sin oppressed. You know why? Because there's mercy with the Lord. 